All right, here we are on February 12th, 2015, uh, the Science Fiction Club. We're a little late, but we're here, and we're talking about the uh, book, The Companions by Sherry S. Tepper. So we'll just go around and see what people thought. Well, don't everybody speak at once. Um, I actually finished the book about twenty minutes, about a couple of minutes before we had to come in here. Um, it was a good book. It kind of reminded me of a Star Trek novel there toward the end, where everybody was fighting everybody, and um, it was it was it was a good book. It was interesting, the dogs and the narrator, she was okay. I, I read a lot of it in Braille. Well, I first read this back around 2007 or something like that, and I couldn't remember this past month why I liked it, so I started to read it again, and I read it, and I read it so fast, and then I read another book, which everybody saw in the SF Club list, at least most people saw that, because it was one that just totally blew me away and then I thought yesterday I really need to read the end of it again so I ended up reading the last five hours just to acquaint myself with the characters and I now I know why I loved it it was because of the animals and <laughs> and walking sunshine I thought it was wonderful and and Gabby was wonderful and and they all just all went through a lot of junk and they got through it and and you're right at the end all these alien the bugs and the lizards all ended up fighting each other and other, and then there's a bunch of other people who kind of threw themselves into the battle and everything. So it was it was a good book. Um, I'm glad that we read it. I, I'm curious to see what everybody else thought. Well, this is Sherry. I like the book too. Although I must say, if I were going to try to describe it to someone, I would not be able to do a good job. I must. I know I read when I'm doing lots of other things around the house, so I don't always give books 100% of my concentration. And I would frequently say, okay, which alien group is this again? And, and who's talking now? And especially when they'd switch perspective to Walking Sunshine or, or some other alien group, I would get kind of lost. But I liked the book quite a bit. I found it uh, kept my attention, and it was a real page-turner. And one thing I must say is it followed the rules of soap operas with wit. I mean, if somebody dies and you don't have a body, then you know they're going to show up later in the story. Well, I really enjoyed the book, too. Um, really, I was kind of concerned after about the first quarter of the book. I swear, maybe I was already in a draggy mood or something, but I was just about ready to like say, oh, man, I can't take this because the atmosphere of everything on earth was just so absolutely dreadful that I thought I was just, I couldn't stand it. But once that got over with, it was a really absolutely enjoyable book for me. And um, I'm so glad I persevered and got through that because, man, oh, man, um, it was good. Um, I'm like everybody else. The dogs were really a special part of it. And I really kind of liked the fact that they were kind of flawed in a way. Well, maybe flawed isn't the right word for it, but that they were independent and they really did have their own perspective. Um, I thought she did a marvelous job of that. And I couldn't believe how beautifully she described that whole world and that whole 
the whole universe that they were really dealing in in, the, in this book. And it makes me want to read more of her stuff. Um, the thing that really struck me about the book was it made me think about the movie um, Avatar, which, um, and I'm not really sure, it almost feels like Avatar may have been a ripoff in some way of this book, even though it, I mean, it was only in a very general idea way. Uh, Marshall, your speech is not coming through at all. Well, we appear to be in the minority because we gave it up after about two hours, maybe a little less, but certainly not more than that. Um, we perhaps we should have persevered um, after some, you know, more discussion. Maybe we will have to resume, but uh, we just couldn't get past some of the weird stuff at the beginning, the weird brother with his conks and the towers on earth and no animals being allowed and it and even from the very beginning it seemed like she was setting up, you know, her set pieces, you know, the the one planetary organization only used reports and they only believed what their devices told them and she was setting up this kind of mysticism versus science kind of dichotomy and then we will again. Then after that, we get to Earth, and and it was just. And then we see these dogs that are kind of. And Lissy actually skipped on that part. I read that part myself, where she meets the dogs, and I don't know. We're not sure if they're the last dogs in the world or what. But and then uh, then she says something about the last Picasso or something, and we kind of just oh. turned it, left it at that point, and never went back to it. Go ahead, sweetie. Yeah, I I. The part about Earth was so, it was devastating. Um, the fact that they, I mean, some of it I was just offended when they they talked about they they tore down the pyramids because they needed them for landfill. And I, I can understand if the polar, you know, ice caps melted that they would need landfill, but not so much the pyramids themselves are not going to make that much difference that you I just didn't believe that and uh, they were just destroying everything that we treasure willy-nilly and then of course they lost me with the dogs because um, they were only going to save a few and they were going to use them for experimentation and they talked about taking puppies away and I then the family sounded it, nobody. They, there was just no love among among the people on Earth. There was there was no hope, and I couldn't understand why we should keep reading it. Just I guess I was having I've been having some difficult uh, issues to deal with anyway, and this book just brought me down further. So apparently, we did stop too soon. <laughs> I totally understand that, and actually, I think 
if I remember correctly, no, maybe it wasn't this book. I almost said, Mary, didn't you say it kind of dragged? Maybe it wasn't this book, but um, it did kind of drag during the first couple, maybe two and a half hours. But really, once you get to the dog part, it kind of... <clears throat> Excuse me. It kind of picks up from there, and it kind of you know goes forward. But yeah, at the beginning, it is a little bit a bit depressing. But I loved Walking Sunshine, and um, I mean, can, can you imagine these little? I just imagine these little pine needly arms and legs, and he grows a head and and a face and a mouth and oh my gosh that's so funny and then it says he shakes and stuff like so funny yeah i I would agree um with what deb and and evan said and lissy said that i thought the first few hours really dragged i didn't think it picked up until paul got assigned to this planet where gabby was and uh our hero Jewel went with her to that planet. Once they got there, then things really picked up. They took the dogs with them. And you'll be glad to know, Lissy, that nothing bad happens to the dogs. I mean, some of the dogs have their flaws and there's some fighting, infighting maybe, but nothing bad happens to any of the dogs. They aren't they don't experiment on them or mistreat them or anything. And I think, Evan, you might end up liking the rest of the book because you seem to like interesting alien species, and there's certainly several of them here, although I I found it confusing to keep track of them. There are a lot of them. Yeah, I think I've already said Walking Sunshine and Gabby were my two favorites of the whole bunch. (laughs) I just thought, it was, you know, Walking Sunshine was just so exuberant about, oh, these humans have given up so much, now we have hearing and language, oh my goodness, we could communicate. You know, I just, he, he just seemed like the type who said, you know, Oh, everything's wonderful on the days, cloudy and rainy and horrible looking. <laughs> He'd always find something good, you know. And then Gabby was also my favorite because I'm into herbal medicine and I love the stuff she did with plants. It was just so funny. And I am doing this for you. I am doing this. I am thinking this. It's just, oh, it's so funny. Yeah, uh, this is Mark Nelson here. I thought I was able to get into the room. And when I first went in in the beginning, there, there was a problem, which I saw your emails about. Um, I had written to the list saying that I didn't like the book with, with, you know, when I was in about an hour into it. But as with uh, most of you, after getting into it a little further, I found it much, much better once they got to the Moss planet. And even before that, I can't remember the names of the different alien species, but when she went with her brother um, to visit one planet and, 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 you know, which were the elder species planet, I forget their names, I guess someone could help me with that. And um, it turns out that Jewel had a knack with dealing with, with, with these um, people or with these uh, extraterrestrials. And, and then after that, and after that, uh, when they did get the moss, I thought it was really interesting, all the different species. And, and of course, the, the whole thing about the dogs and, the, and that other species that, that took the shape of dogs um, and, were, and were ruling the whole world. So really, it really had quite a good... Quite a lot of interesting things to enjoy and think about once you got into the book. I thought they they had to have the lizards and the bugs as the bad guys, and then of course there were the red demons who were pretty spooky. Hate to have those around on Halloween night. Oh man. <laughs> 
Martin, I think that I really agree about that planet that you're talking about. Unfortunately, I don't remember the name of them either, but I thought that was just magical. And um, it made me really like Jewel so much better. Um, I mean, I liked her anyway, especially contrasted with the rest of the people on Earth. But that was really one of the special places, I think, in the book. Are you talking about the planet with the Fena and the garden, and Jewel ended up uh, working in the garden and became friends with the Fena, and then they met later on on, on uh, Moss? Yes, that's the one. I'm glad you mentioned that, Mary, because I had forgotten that that's where she met Athena. Was that that first planet when she was working in the garden? Yeah, that's a good point. Another a neat thing is I thought the whole idea of communication with scent instead of language or, or um, um, colors or visual, I thought that was a nice change of pace. This book also made me realize how seldom you see pets in science fiction. At least I can't recall a whole lot of stories where people had pets. And even though these dogs weren't exactly pets, the relationship between Jewel and Scramble, I think, was her favorite dog, was was certainly very, very nice in the book. Yeah, I also liked, uh, you know, I liked how Jewel's character developed, too. You know, in the beginning, she was sort of, she really didn't have any, she was sort of useless, and she didn't know what to do, and, and you know, then when she got, when she uh, liaison with uh, Whit, and then, then her, his mother tried to harass her, and she had to escape, and it was interesting the way they described Earth. It was rather, you know, rather sad to see where Earth, Earth had got to, but the fact that um, gradually, as she, uh, you know, as she was exposed to more uh, of the of the planet, she was one was able to see that she had real skills in communicating with with other aliens. And her brother turned out to be a real, what should I say, a real spoiled brat that really didn't really accomplish much at all with his linguistic skills. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that Jewel was such a wimp early on in the book, and she pretty much did everything she could to placate her, her stupid brother and her and wit and everything else. But also, Gabby also put that um, spell on her, as Gabby described it, which I thought this was fascinating, that people imprint onto other people and that she had imprinted onto wit and Paul, and that Gabby undid that, which also helped make her a stronger person. Yeah, that was fascinating. I thought, what a well, this is why I like Gabby so much. She could control things, but it was it was a very subtle kind of control, and the intentions were good. You know, that, that's what I liked about her. She just she knew how things could be to work out, and and the thing is, she did it a lot independently. Because remember when. They, when she was a child and it described how she grew up and learned how to understand the Moss language and stuff. But, yeah, I, I, I also agree about Wit's personality and Wit's stupid mother. I got kind of mad she showed up at the end, but I guess she had to. Otherwise, he never would have known what happened to her. And another, a couple other really interesting things was the whole idea of the planet's consciousness and the fact in the very even when they first got there and they saw these lights flitting around and everything and they they thought they were aliens and and then towards the end we find out that they really weren't aliens but they were actually what would you say they were the actual messages being sent back and forth and so it was a little complicated to understand how they use the smells and how these the lights were actually communications I guess from from the planet I guess I, I didn't fully grasp that I don't think that the the lights 
it was almost like the lights were inadvertent because if you remember the um the planet itself was totally blind until they had humans to be there at first so the the lights were just kind of extraneous and so there they were studying those things religiously and it was the sense that were what were passing on the information you know what I thought was also kind of magical was the door into the wormhole that went out to the other planets, to the desert and to the the jungle planet. And that's how the little uh, scrapbook, wedding scrapbook, got through. And that's why how witch showed up. And it, that was just whole thing was just kind of magical because you didn't really expect it on a planet like that. We have Bob who hasn't spoken yet. That part, the the magical door part, Mary, that reminded me of, um, who who wrote these? Ringworld, um, Ringworld engineers. Because remember you could step on this thing and you could be one place and then you would be another. Also, I loved the imprinting. It's like, wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, the uh, stepping discs. That was Larry Niven uh, from the Ringworld, which were... I like the first two books a lot. I've read them a few times. Um, but I wanted to mention, we were both surprised because um, Mary thought that Mary Kane wasn't very expressive. And we, just a couple hours that we read, we thought, you know, she was really, you know, very, very expressive. And we were kind of surprised um, she uh, made alien noises she made, and, and she talked in those conch voices, you know, those little girl high voices. She talked, you know, when when very early on. Um, so we were a little bit surprised at, uh, about that because uh, I like Mary Kane. I haven't read a lot of what she's read because we just haven't, you know, I just haven't picked books that she's read very much. But I've read a few and I, I like her. I'd like to know: Was Earth just trashed? I mean, did you did it just leave Earth behind, and the rest developed on the other planets? And is it just going to go on being this kind of hopeless stew? Yeah. Earth really became kind of secondary to the story after they took off and went to these other planets. I don't remember much else about Earth except references in passing. And I would agree, I, I don't usually have strong feelings about narrators one way or the other, but I thought this one was fine. Yeah, I thought she was a fine narrator, too. I didn't have any problem with her. Um, one of the things that I noticed about Earth, you know, they have a, there was a law that they mentioned in and out during the story about that if you were from, if you were human, you could come back to Earth before you died and live there for the rest of your life. And I think that um, that has contri- that contributed vastly to the misery. And so probably also to the way that the, what was the name of the religious group that was on earth? Something about uh, in God's eyes or IGI, anyway, in God's image, I think that's what it was. And, um, you know, I think that that was all kind of, mixed up in that and that was so totally grim and yet if you look at humanity from a bigger perspective there's all this diversity and stuff out there that really isn't like what earth was at all another interesting thing was her you know the fact that she she was born on mars i believe and talked about her mother 
and, and the fact that the mother was doing those exploring things in those caves and, and found uh, those drawings or things and, and, and of course she contracted that, that virus that eventually killed her but it was, some, some, it was rather interesting descriptions of how, how they lived on Mars in tunnels uh, you know, in, in caves and things like that and, and some of what she saw the, pic, the pictorial things turned out to be the apparently uh, the ancestors of some of these other extraterrestrial beings if I understand that correctly well you've all convinced us we just decided we'll give the book another shot we're going to continue on from where we left off and after we've finished reading what we're reading now which isn't very long so you've convinced us thank you we're reading Dick Francis right now. <laughs> yeah, but we're gonna. It's not very long, so we're gonna get back to uh, the companions in addition to whatever we're reading this month, depending on what that is. But yeah, we'll give it another go. Well, I hope you like it. <laughs> After all the stuff we're saying about it, it's positive. And yeah, it's interesting about the how the czar were ended up on on mars and all that stuff and they ended up being what they were now we probably shouldn't talk about the ending because <laughs> they haven't they haven't hasn't read the ending yet but it, it kind of twists around and things aren't as they seem so let's just put it that way but it was kind of neat the way it ended up it was interesting yeah, without giving the ending away, I mean, what did you guys think of it? I, I found it a real surprise. You guys can say whatever you want. We're, if we like right. it, we'll like it. Don't worry about spoiling it. It's we'll, not your fault we it's didn't not your finish fault. it, so right. go ahead. So we don't want to inhibit your conversation. Just speak up. Speak whatever you want. Ruff, ruff. <laughs> My husband doesn't know what's going on. He just heard me say ruff, ruff, and he laughed at me. Um, the ending was actually... Um, very surprising. I mean, I I kind of knew it would end in the way it did, but not the way it did, if that makes sense. And I can't explain that. I forgot how it ended. Maybe you could remind. <laughs> That's what, it, what, what happens when you read a book a while back, and then you start getting involved in other books, you forget something. But I think it was a happy ending, a, po- a positive ending, I think. I thought it was a relatively happy ending, but there was a certain bittersweetness to it. In that um, we recognize, they recognize that as human beings we are we are one of the legacies of the czar. So that I thought was kind of bittersweet. And well, they sort of did a separating the wheat from the chaff in there too. So, hey Bob, do you have anything to say? We're kind of leaving you out in the dust. That's okay. I was kind of enjoying listening, but I did like the ending as I thought it everything worked out. Earth seemed to be getting back on its feet. And, you know, everybody lived happily ever after. I thought it was particularly clever how the jar disguised themselves for all those centuries as dogs. <laughs> I mean, I did not expect that at all. That was a real interesting... <laughs> when they die, they turn back to the yucky czar, you know... <laughs> You would have think somebody would have discovered that until now, but I guess not. Another thing I thought was very endearing was how, how the dogs spoke, you know, how that, that, the, the narrator imitated the way the dogs had their speech. And it was very endearing, the relationship that, that Jules had with the dogs, and especially with, um, what was her favorite dog now? I already forgot her name. Uh, but it was really quite, quite tender, the way that they, they, they reacted to, with, to you know, interacted, I should say. I can't even talk. 
I agree. I thought it was cute how um, Mary Kane actually did the dog speech. I think one of my favorite parts was Gemma. I absolutely loved that part. I actually just, you know, just for, I guess, fairy tale. I wish they had gone more into that and, and, you know, shown him fighting with his mother. And Oh, that would have been so cool. Let's see, Gemma, who was that? Now I'm lost. (laughs) Everybody gets a turn this time. Who's confused? (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember Gemma either. That's what I get for reading it the day of. She was Wit's new wife, because remember it was supposed to be um, Jewel, and they kind of, Gavi and Jewel tricked Wit and had her veiled and had him go behind the curtain first, and then she did, and since the scent was there and the instruments were playing, he fell in love with her, she fell in love with him, and, and Myra came back and Oh, she can fix her fit. Oh, she's ugly because she knew that it wasn't Jewel, but Cecilia didn't. Yeah, I do remember that now. That was a nice touch. Um, uh, what um, I, I think it was, um, now I lost what I, Oh, what Mary said earlier about the dogs and the jars. I thought it was an interesting concept that who's really the slaves here, the dogs or the people, because if you're a dog and you have this kind of intelligence you just lay around like a powerful god and you get all the humans to wait on you hand and foot. Um, that was an interesting way to look at it. That sounds more like cats than dogs, doesn't it? Not to the jar. Um, I agree. Uh, you know, one of my very favorite things about the dogs is there's a place where they're talking about the trainers and how they're not really dogs. And they said that if, and the dog said something like, um, if if they were really serious about being dogs, they wouldn't switch back. And I thought that was such a a sort of um, fascinating view of looking at people. But it's funny, I don't remember that thing about what, what um, it, Olivia was talking about, Jim and all that. I can't remember any of that at all. I wonder what, what chapter of the book was that, because I have to go back and refresh my memory. It was near the end. It was near the end. It was when... Uh, Wit's mother wanted Wit to marry Jewel and all this stuff, and that's how she always was. His mother was a creep. I couldn't stand her. I don't think anybody could like that kind of a person. <laughs> Wit's mother could creep. I was hoping she'd get killed off or something. But, but anyway, it turned out that everybody, at least Gabby, had something else planned. And, and so um, Wit ended up falling in love with Gemma, as uh, Leela said, and so it was. It was a quick scene, but it was kind of near the end of the book. One of the things that um, happened really early in the time when they were on Moss was a scene with with um, oh geez, I can't remember her name, but anyway, the girl who was the one who did all the smell stuff. Um, she had she actually was thinking about the possibility of getting somebody for Gemma to be happy with, even back then. And so I think that that's really sort of where uh, Sherry Tepper 
really did her homework in really weaving things together. I ended up going back and reading part of the middle of the book again. And um, that was one of the things that I noticed um, was how well she wove information into the book so that you really weren't um, completely blindsided, even though there were a lot of surprising things in the book. She was good at planting clues if you just knew where to look. Whatever happened to the little animals, I forget now what they're called, ginks or something, that uh, with and trained them and all that, and they were kind of semi-intelligent, sort of, and people like to have them sort of make them pets and that. And at the end of the very last thing, it says something about how, you know, somebody should be able to figure out where they originated. And nobody ever found out. I can't name them more. Oh, the conks. I, I could, but, um, oh, I don't know. And if anybody can tell me, too, because that's where I got lost. There was an interesting other thing that they mentioned somewhere that I just, when I went back, I saw this. About, they said that the birth rate on Earth dropped by 80% when they introduced conks. Um, and I kind of got the impression that maybe they were from the czar, but I don't know that for sure. And I'm not sure. Well, that's something we can give Evan and Lissy as an assignment while they're reading through the book. Pay attention and see if you can figure out where the conks came from, since none of us seem to be able to remember. When you started asking that question, I thought you were going to ask about that little animal that, um, but hopefully that little animal survived the book, but I don't Well, basically due to selfish reasons, because I just started to begin to read it, I had recommendable read for next month. Did you say Battlefield Earth? Because it's a wonderful, long, long, long space opera. I, I've read it twice. <laughs> I get started with that. I just read it about food for three days. I've read it. It was quite a while ago, but I really did not care for it at all. It is quite long. It might be too long. And, <laughs> you know, I just started it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's some rather interesting, you know, the, the contrast between the aliens ruling Earth and these primitive... I mean, these humans have gone back to almost a primitive lifestyle, but I haven't got much into it, but it is quite long. Here's a question for you all. Um, I, don't, I, know, I know that you can listen to books on Bard, but I'm not sure you can download books on Bard, and quite frankly, I don't know how long it's going to be down, because it's been down for like almost three days. Um, is everybody able to use anything other than BARD? I know Mary is. Well, I was up on BARD earlier, and I think and, and it's just the mobile part of BARD that seems to be down. Uh, unless anybody's experienced problems with their regular connections, uh, from what I've seen on the BARD talk list, it was just the mobile part that was down. Yeah, I've been on BARD off and on all day. It was down for a while yes, or, yeah, yesterday morning, but it was up by last evening. And it seems to have been up ever since. Yeah, I've been on and off a barge day, too. And it was down yesterday and perhaps a day or two before that. But um, I don't have a phone to use the app with, so I just log on from the PC and grab stuff. But there hasn't been any science fiction up there since, what, last week? So there isn't a lot of new stuff to choose from, except for the one book that I reviewed about three weeks ago. I don't know if that would appeal to everybody or not. Um, I'd like to recommend a book that we read 
um, called The Kraken Project, and it's by Douglas Preston. And we've enjoyed the Preston and Child books. They're um, kind of um, suspense, horror, pseudoscience fiction. But this last one by Douglas Preston alone um, is about artificial intelligence, and it has some wonderful um, implications it's also got some wonderful complications about the difficulty uh, uh, an artificial intelligence might have existing on the web. Um, it's got wonderful suggestions for how uh, an, an artificial intelligence can be used and misused. There's so much suspense. There's definitely some violence, but... Um, there, there are fabulous characters and um, chase scenes. Um, um, the artificial intelligence is is trying to survive, and it was really surprising how I came to want you know want want her to survive. Um, she was developed to kind of be sent to gather information on uh, one of Jupiter's moons? No, it's Titan. Oh, Titan. She was going to be a sail the seas of Titan and gather information. She was supposed to be independent, and they were testing the... And she does have a she, because she was... Well, there's there's a history there, but um, she was independent, and she... um, went into some kind of emergency mode because she felt trapped when she was being tested. They they booted her up and she was inside the spacecraft, inside this circular testing room that simulated the atmosphere of Titan and the methane sea. So she starts trying to get out and causes an explosion, but she manages to escape onto the internet. Yeah, don't tell uh, too much. Well, that's already in the, that's on but, the dust jacket. But she was terrified because she realized if she were sent to Titan that it would be a death mission, that she would go and um, gather the information and be stranded there and and eventually disintegrate and stuff. And so she was right to be afraid and uh, you know, it's like if an artificial intelligence is intelligent enough, they're going to start to have an opinion about how you're using them. And Well, yeah, and they do have discussions in there uh, about rights and about, you know, whether she's really just simulating her feelings or if she really has them and, you know, whether she's a slave. And if she isn't, then, you know, she ought to have some... So he's actually thought about this stuff, but there is a lot of chasing and there's some shooting and there's some serious violence. There's some bad guys. There are a couple of financial people that want her. And it's it's a... We enjoy these uh, books. They're thrillers. He wrote actually one before that called Blasphemy, which is... Pretty close to science fiction, too, and it kind of reminds me, because thinking of L. Ron Hubbard, but I don't want to spoil it. Um, but uh, So we, we like them, but um, um, it, it's a possibility you guys might want to consider for you know reading yourselves. I really liked the Preston Child series that I started reading. I, I've read, I don't know, three or four of them, and they killed off one of my favorite characters, and I haven't read any more of them. Is this a standalone book, or is it part of a series? Yeah, it's a standalone book. He wrote it by himself. It's not part of the Pendergast series or anything that he's done with Lincoln and Child. It's a book that, uh, this is the second one that we've read that he's written by himself. 
And it's wonderful. Yeah, we, we liked it. We actually weren't sure at the beginning, uh, but um, we persevered a little longer with that one than we did with uh, Sherry Tepper, I guess. But uh, we're going to go back to Sherry. But uh, well, we enjoyed it. It sounds really good to me. Um, my only quibble is if she's truly artificial intelligence, why couldn't she just fly off to space because she could survive, couldn't she? And is this Preston with a P or Creston with a C? It's Preston with a P. Well, I don't know how she would fly off into space. She'd have to have a spacecraft or something. I'm not sure, you know, she, she wants to... And she, besides, she wouldn't want to fly off into space because the reason she didn't want to go to Titan because she'd be all by herself. She wants to... She wants community. She wants to be with other people. She wants to, you know, other, of other humans or other people of her own kind. She doesn't want to be all alone. That was one of the reasons why she didn't want to go to Titan. Yeah, he really did his homework about artificial intelligence. It's not like a fantasy or magic story. It's Is this available on Bard? And if we decide, uh, can we have the number? And, well, I wasn't talking about magic. I was thinking that I have read stories about artificial intelligence that were made of hardware that would survive anywhere in any type of temperature. That's what I was thinking about. If she could survive in any sort of temperature without any atmosphere, she could have, couldn't she just somehow escape Titan? Well, anyway, that's just me quibbling. Uh, well, I wasn't sure if we were recommending it for the group or not. Were I'm we? recommending it for the group. And oh, okay. Mary, she wasn't built that way. She was built for us as, you know, as a tool. She was built to just be that craft, that exploration craft. She was she was never able to leave. The, she would never be able to leave Titan once she got there. It's like the you know the explorers on Mars. You know the uh, opportunity in them. They they they're never going to go anywhere. But she is going to. We don't want to give anything away. But she is going to have another kind of a self. But that develops later in the book. And no, it's no, a wonderful no. surprise. So we just won't tell you. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I, this sounds good to me, if you could give us the title again and the number. Yeah, it sounds good to me, too. I'm surprised that, that I would not find it. But maybe I found it and just didn't want it <laughs> at the time. But I'm used to finding stuff and skipping it and coming back to it. So sounds good to me. I love artificial intelligence books. I do, especially because it makes me think about the future. Yeah, me too. I like them. Um, it's Preston with a P. Did I say that? I forget whether I answered Leela's question on that. Um, the Kraken Project. I don't have a number in front of me. I'll have to look it up. We never use numbers. We just use titles or authors. Um, so I'd have to look it up. Hold on. Yeah, I was thinking I could go look it up and find out the narrator. But, well, I don't know. I'll do it anyway because I'm probably going to grab it anyway after we're done here. Yeah, I don't ever use numbers either. Can you spell the title, though? Cragen, like C-R-A-G-I-N or, or something like that? Thank you, Sherry. You just took my thoughts. Um, I don't do numbers either. I don't. I do title, unless it's hard to spell. Um, how do you spell it? K-R-A-K-E-N. It's an old, um, it's a word. It has something to do with the sea. Kraken was a sea monster or something. Isn't that right? Somebody can remind me about that. Uh, yeah, so he, she was going to be a craft on the seas of Titan, 
So it was some kind of a sea monster type thing. Um, I, I think that's where the Kraken comes from. Um, and I do have a little bit of a problem with L. Ron Hubbard because of all that Scientology and stuff. So <laughs> That is a really, really long book. I read it many years ago. It's on 28 sides on cassette, so it's like 40 hours on Bard or something close to that, I would think. Well, I don't like Scientology at all either, but he doesn't put any of that into his books. At least not the not the not the one we were talking about. And the Kraken was there's a a um, Tennyson poem written by uh, Tennyson back in 1873 or 18 something, and uh, the Kraken was a sea monster that came up from the bottom of the sea occasionally and and was an ageless monster creature. And everybody was scared of it when it came out of the sea for whatever reason it did. Um, yeah, it was Alfred Lord Tennyson. I remember. Um, that's, the, that's the advantage of me. <laughs> Being an English major, I remember a lot of these crazy things. But that's why the book was called what it was, I guess, because of Tennyson's poem. In fact, they might even quote it at the beginning. Who knows? I think, and I could be wrong, but I also remember... That Kraken or Kraken was in some fairy stories that I read. And yeah, you're right. It was a huge, ugly, horrid sea monster. And everybody was afraid of it. But I thought I remembered it. I used to read a lot when I was a kid and stuff like that. I still read a lot of um, fairy stories and old country stories and stuff like that. And I think I remember it from some of those. It's 79300, and it's read by John Polk, who we like. We like quite a lot. He was in the, he was on in December, and I still haven't listened to it. The Huckleberry Finn, uh, he was on the phone with them in uh, December, and he's, uh, he's read some other science fiction that I like, some of the Gregory Benford Galactic Center books, and he reads The Future of the Mind, Michio Kaku's latest book, which I have here, and I want to read it real bad, but I don't know when I'm going to get to it. But anyway, he's the narrator. It's 79300. Oh, man, I love Michio Kaku. <laughs> I've got all of his books off of Bard, and I haven't read any of them yet. Shame on me, but I'm dying to read them. I don't care if they end up being 30 years old before I get to them. <laughs> I just think he's great. Okay, so I guess that's the book for next month. So I guess I'll say good night to everyone. Okay, good night. And uh, all right, I guess we will close the recording by saying that next month our meeting will be on March the 12th, uh, the same as the, the date for this month, except one month later because February only has 28 days. So uh, this book's only about 11 hours and something, so it's not very. It's about 11, almost 12 hours, uh, just short. It's the Kraken, Kraken, John Polk says Kraken, so maybe he's right, project by Douglas Preston, available on Bard, and I don't know about Bookshare. I'll check and uh, let you all know in the Newswire for those who want to read it on Bookshare. If it's sold very much, as their books tend to, It'll probably be on the bestseller, and they'll have it, or the publisher will have given it to them. But I can't say that for sure until I check. But I will put out the newswire, and it'll all be in there.